The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The victory horns are sounding for Corey Sanhagen. Looks sensational. Snaps the four-fight win streak of Marlon Vera. Sanhagen looked incredible to pretty much everybody who watched that fight, with the exception of one judge. One judge was like, you know what? I wasn't that impressed. I'm going to give the last three rounds to Marlon Vera. His name is Joel Ojeda. Seemed at worst a 49-46 for Corey Sanhagen. One judge scored it that way. One judge scored it a complete sweep. For Corey Sanhagen, and then Joel Hayda scores the fight 48-47 for Marlon Vera. Capping off a night of very strange scorecards and very strange events as we welcome you to the UFC San Antonio post-fight show. We are live here on the MMA Fighting YouTube channel. If you're watching after the fact or listening after the fact, we appreciate you. I am Mike Heck, and we have some things to discuss when it comes to the main event, but before we get into that... I need to apologize to to America, to the world, because mm-hmm. I made a boo-boo mm-hmm. yesterday. I made a boo-boo yesterday on the preview mm-hmm. show, and I said something that I probably shouldn't have said. I put too many positive vibes out there when it mm-hmm. came to the people's co-main event, which was the flyweight bout that was on the slate between Manel Cop and Alex Perez. I felt really strongly that both guys would make it into the octagon. I thought both guys' bad luck would cancel each other out. And despite being warned over and over again by the great Jose Youngs, don't do Mm -hmm. it, don't do it. I knocked on wood. I created every superstition that I possibly could in favor of this fight happening. And then shortly before the main car is about to begin, Mm -hmm. the news comes out. Brennan Fitzgerald announces Alex Perez suffers a... A health issue of some kind and the fight is scrapped now we do not know the extent of this health issue for alex perez but if you check out his teammate vince morales on twitter he basically tweeted out it's not my place to say but it was pretty bad it, it seems pretty bad and uh obviously uh positive vibes go to alex perez hopefully he's doing all right hopefully he's okay um and hopefully it's something he can come back from but 
people were very understanding of this. Manel Cop was not understanding of this. He just unleashed mm. absolute fire on social media in reaction to this. Um, but I apologize. I apologize for the for putting out too many good vibes. Jose, do you? Do, <laughs> yeah, you Jose, are on sorry. Behalf, on behalf of America and the world, do you accept my apology? <laughs> well, I'm more disappointed in the fact that. You know, as a Red Sox fan, you are aware <laughs> that jinxes and superstitions and just, you know, whatever being that you believe in just doesn't want us to succeed at times. And you know that. And then you said what you said. And the second you said it, you doomed us all. So I think from here on out, you need to take a one week break from, you know, <laughs> making any sort of predictions, sort of like a, a medical suspension that fighters get. You are no longer allowed to, you know, make a prediction for the next pay-per-view because I don't want to lose any of those fights at all. So until UFC 287 is in the books, Mike can't make any predictions. It's been decreed by whatever deity that you believe in that shines down upon us. So it's on paper now, written in blood. Well, there's there the Red go. Sox hat. There it is right there. It was sitting right next to me. Yep. So listen, if, if I have to do the preview show for UFC 287 and, and just give the prediction stuff to everybody else, I'm, I'm happy to do that. If it if, if I have to serve this suspension, I, I will be glad to serve this suspension. So up again, apologies to America <laughs> and the world. But Jose, uh, the main event, it was the Corey Sanhagen show. I thought he looked sensational. Mm -hmm. Marlon Vera just really couldn't get going. I mean, first two rounds, usually Marlon doesn't do all that well anyways. And then usually round three starts to pick it up a little bit. That's when the power shots start to land. But Corey just wasn't really having it. The movement was too much. Vera just couldn't get inside to land any big shots. And he looked fantastic tonight. He looked absolutely incredible. What did you think of, of his performance and this 25 minutes he put out there to cap off UFC San Antonio? Yeah, this was like halfway through the second round. It just felt like we were watching a mixed martial artist versus, and I use this term, I'm not saying Corey isn't a fighter, but like, you remember when Anthony Smith was going to fight Magomed Ankalaev and he's like, oh, Magomed Ankalaev has had 19 MMA fights or has had 19 MMA competitions, but he's never had a fight. I'm not saying that yeah. Corey Sanhagen's never had a fight, but Marlon Varick goes in there to just get in a fist fight and Corey Sanhagen goes in there to display his martial arts. And I'm not saying that Marlon Varick is not a martial artist. I'm not saying Corey Sanhagen is not a fighter. It's just their styles are just so so polar opposite in the fact that how they look to win like Corey Sanhagen looks to fillet you while Marlon Vera looks to take a shotgun to your head um it was fun to watch I enjoyed it um I like both men I like I very much enjoy both of their styles of fighting I think if they fought 10 times Corey probably wins seven of the times because like I said Marlon can kick you he can punch you he can do all these kinds of things too he was he was never not in the fight it's just Corey was slightly one step ahead. He did not allow Marlon to just set his feet and just implement his game plan. Corey seemed to have an answer for everything. When Marlon would block his head, Corey would, would rip those hooks to the body. Uh, when Mar when Marlon would, or Cheeto would try to like push forward, Corey would threaten with a flying knee. When when Marlon would you know implement any sort of his try to do leg kicks or work the body, Corey would 
shove him into the fence and take him down or look for the takedown and that threat of the takedown no matter who you're fighting whether you're fighting a division one wrestler former olympic gold medalist or just someone that is a kickboxer if the threat of the of the takedown is there you obviously rethink your game plan you can't just go in guns blazing because you might get taken down and punched and elbowed from the top like we saw in round one so perfect game plan from Corey sanhagen perfect execution i don't think either man made like i said in the preview show who which person will make the first mistake i don't think either man made any mistakes i just think Corey's game plan was just one step ahead of Marlon. I thought I thought it was a very high level uh, fight, and I I enjoyed it quite a bit. I it wasn't the fight of the year like everyone was expecting. I had it fifty forty five. Corey Sanhagen. I'm sure we'll talk about the scorecards later on, but but I enjoyed it. And Corey Sanhagen has just proven he's at worst one of the three best bantamweights in the world. I will. I agree with everything you just said, except for one thing. I do think there was a mistake made in the fight, and it was made by mm-hmm. Marlon Vera, and it was made in the mm-hmm. first round because there was a moment where, like, the first couple of minutes was was pretty competitive. Like Corey was mm-hmm. landing for sure. I I thought Marlon's strategy early on was really interesting because was, he wasn't trying to match dynamic movement with Corey Sanhagen, but he was trying to create a puzzle for Corey to solve a lot of feints, a lot of leg kicks. Those were landing. And then at one point, Corey turned on the aggression and he jumped up and he, he slightly lands a flying knee and the crowd goes crazy and Corey separates and Marlon Vera looks at him, smiles, and then he goes to the clap. And as soon as he claps, that's that's when Corey shoots him for the takedown and he spends the major the rest of the round on top, just landing big shots. So I think he played a little too much in that first round and it cost him. And then Corey just took all that momentum. But other than that, like, I mean, what else can you say about Corey Sanag? And that that was just a, a great performance. The scorecards are very strange. 50-45 is mm-hmm. very acceptable. 49-46 was Chris Lee's scorecard. He gave Marlon Vera the third round. Don't hate that. I felt like that was Vera's mm-hmm. best round of the fight, landed his best shots in that fight. Pretty competitive. Right. I thought Sanhagen landed more, but I think Cheeto probably, when he landed, his shots counted a little bit more. But still, if you scored a 50-45, but 48-47 for Vera is one of the worst scorecards ever. Like, that is a top five horrible scorecard. I mean... Is that even gave- top five worst scorecards ever in Texas? I That's a great question. That's pretty bad, though. Like off the it's top of my bad. head, I, I could maybe think of like two or three that were worse. If I dug deeper, right. I'm sure I could find more. But Joel Rojas, I, I think is his name. Maybe I could be wrong. I'll pull it up just for greater context. But he gave the last three rounds to Marlon Vera. How can you do that? Like, how can you justify this in any, any no. way? Joel Hayde is his name. Gives the first two rounds to Sanhagen, three, four, and five to Marlon Vera. Like, that is not justifiable at all, is it? No, it's thank God or whatever deity you worship. <laughs> thank God that the right winner, at least Corey got the win. Like they got, they got the right winner at the end. Like two of the judges got it right, but man, like some days, like, like years from now, and we're talking about the, the summer of 2023 and how crazy the Bantamweight division was. And there'll be new fans that, weren't watching MMA in 2023 and they were like oh yeah but Corey Sandhagen and Marlon fought to a split decision it says it on paper I'm like are you dumb did you do you remember that fight like that's what we're gonna that's what it's gonna be not all split decisions are split decisions people yes uh Aaron Bronstetter just tweeted out that 
According to MMA Decisions, Joel Ojeda has handed in completed scorecards for just four UFC bouts in his Love career, it. which includes the Sanhagen versus Verifype. Hmm. That's a pretty not that experienced guy to be sitting cage side for a fight with such high stakes, a main event bout like that. Texas had a bad weekend, man, between yes. a lot of the cards on this uh, on this event and obviously the referee from the Fury FC card who was a judge for yes. multiple fights on this card, uh, including the Andrea Lee Macy Barber fight. Right. Just not a like just not a good weekend for the Texas Commission judges and referees. This hasn't been a good half a decade. This hasn't been a good half a decade for the Texas Commission. Like the second they announced they're going to Texas, I just expect shenanigans. This is the same (laughs) uh, commission that scored John Jones, beat Dominic Reyes, same judge uh, uh, commission that scored Andrea Lee, lost to Lauren Murphy. Like it happens. This happens all the time in Texas. It's not the first and it won't be the last. That was, I remember when they fought, I think it was Oliveira Chandler. That was like the first fight in Houston, like the middle of the pandemic when we still had to do testing and everything. And then we went back and the big question of media day was, were you nervous to take a fight in Texas? And everyone was like, yeah, it was real weird. Yeah. And I don't remember him like being that terrible in the Austin car. I didn't think it was that bad either, but yeah, this was, this was not good. This was not great. This is not great. There are a lot of weird cards on this one, but Corey Sandhagen gets it done. The right guy won. And then I loved his, I loved the post-fight interview. I loved it. He said, I wouldn't dare call for a title shot over Marab Dewalishvili. The guy's a killer. He's on fire. Uh, so I'll just fight him instead. Like, let's just fight. And Marab, who was in attendance for the event, seemed more excited about the call out than Corey himself. So I think this is kind of a no brainer to make this fight at this point. It just seems this is the logical step for this division that is just kind of in a weird place right now. It's Aljamain Sterling being the champion, fighting Henry Cejudo, Marab Dwalish, really his friend and training partner, basically the next guy up besides mm-hmm. Sean O'Malley. This seems like the logical next step with O'Malley kind of being the guy in weight, right? I mean, I'm not going to say no to Marav, Corey Sanhagen. I think that fight rules and the winner should obviously get a number one. Like, like that will be the number one contender, especially like if Corey Sanhagen beats Marav, who has looked like obviously unbeatable lately, um, then it's it's the no-brainer. But like I wish like – Cor- like Corey Sanhagen did an interview with our own Damon Marr, and he's like, why wouldn't the UFC want to make Sean O'Malley versus Corey Sanhagen? I'm like, well, yeah, that fight rules. So like either one would be great, but I feel like if I'm Corey Sanhagen, uh, the more eyeballs. And again, Corey is like, it's not his thing. Like he even said it in the promo packages. Like I'm not about telling people I'm good at fighting. I'm about showing people I'm good at fighting. If he wants to, like the the fight against Sean O'Malley obviously brings more eyeballs to him, and Corey doesn't seem like a guy who really cares. I wouldn't say no to either. I'm very excited. I hope, I pray to whatever deity you do, that Marab Sanhagen is a five round fight. I can't imagine they'll make it a co main event, a three round fight, but. Corey Sand, I got real excited for Corey Sand, the possibility of Corey Sandhagen versus Sean O'Malley. Corey Sandhagen probably knows something we don't, which obviously is Sean O'Malley is going to get the winner of Cejudo and Algermain. Um, but yeah, I love that. I mean, Marab Corey rules. Bantamweight's great. It's awesome. And I'm just, I am just glad that unlike lightweight and welterweight, the top fighters in 135 are fighting the top fighters at 135. 
I love the call out. I, I really yeah. did because he he could have gone the O'Malley route, like he like he told Damon, and it made it. I mean, it would have been a, a decent call, probably not a, Both, a really either call out would have made sense. I think. Yeah, but it just seems like Sean's next in line is going to get the winner of this fight, no matter what the title fight, right. and then him and Marab. Because if Corey doesn't make that call out and Marab isn't all that excited, I, I think Corey kind of did Marab a favor because then Marab is going to have to fight somebody right. else. He might be fighting like an Umar Namagamadov or somebody crazy like that. I mean, and ooh, I would have loved that fight. I would love that fight too, but it just wouldn't seem really fair for Marab after that performance against Peter Jan to fight 10 spots back essentially yeah. uh, against a killer like that. But Marab would have taken it. Uh, we have bonuses. We have bonuses. Uh, it's your typical run-of-the-mill bonus structure where we have a fight of the night and two performance bonuses and this is uh this seems pretty clear and obvious the cj vergara daniel lacerda yeah absolute barn burner wins fight of the night daniel pineda wins performance of the night and of course nate the train landwehr gets himself a bonus for the what he deemed the sucker punch rear naked choke submission victory over Austin Lingo. So there's are your bonuses. Congratulations to all four of those gentlemen for getting the job done. Nicely done, gentlemen. That well done. Vergara Lacerda fight was absolutely a weird fight, bro. <laughs> it was so ridiculous. God, that was incredible. Incredible stuff. It seemed like the, the card got up to like such a just insane start and then it just kind of mellowed out at points especially at the beginning of the main mm-hmm. card as we go to the co-main event holly holm just bullies and big sisters yana santos over three rounds 30 27 30 27 and even a 30 26 in there she gets the job done no call out just whoever the ufc wants to give her what did you think of holly holmes performance 41 years of age just signed a new contract that fight was not competitive at all no, like the big sister in Yana Santos is the right way to put it. She just uh, did what she wanted to do with Yana in there. And you can obviously very clearly tell that uh, Holly has been working on her wrestling and grappling because I think uh, what did, what did, uh, when I was doing Twitter reacts on the site for this, I think Sadiq Youssef said it best just tackle and grapple. That was, that was Holly, Holly Holmes' game plan. She got the W. I don't know where she goes from here. Uh, Yana hadn't fought since uh, what, like 2021, 2020, whatever it was. I know she had a baby. She was like bringing life into the world. Uh, I don't know where Holly goes from here considering she's already beaten Raquel Pennington twice and she's above her. Juliana Payne is probably going to fight Amanda Nunes. So Holly's probably going to have to fight backwards. Um, she lost to Kellen Vieira. She obviously beat Irene. Irene is probably fighting Raquel Pennington. So Holly's going to have to fight backwards. She got back into the win column. She signed her new deal. Uh, she's going to be a perennial co-main event slash main event fighter for the rest of her career. So, yeah, good performance from Holly. Uh, I don't think it's what anyone expected, but she showed a new wrinkle to her game that her future opponents will have to be worried about. Yeah, she's been wrestling really well. Those last mm-hmm. two wins, uh, she was very wrestling heavy in those in those performances. And I feel, and Casey put it up. Casey put out a couple of just brilliant tweets in regards to that fight. Um, one in particular, I know Misha Tate is getting ready to fight Myra Blano Silva in June. Yeah, I feel like if that fight is even competitive, whether Tate wins or not, I mean, I think you kind of have to book that rematch, right? Like the clock's ticking, Misha. I don't think you have a lot of time. Yeah, that first yeah. fight was if great. Misha, like it was incredible. Mm-hmm. The only reason that that fight isn't spoken about more is because the very next fight, Nate Diaz just 
kind of threw a wrench into the MMA world and the MMA world hasn't been the same since. Um, but yeah, I, that fight, well, I think will eventually happen. Misha's obviously got a new fight. The UFC is probably using Misha to build a new star and, or to build a new contender and Bueno Silva, who has looked great lately. And then anytime you can get bantamweights that are pulling off stoppage wins, the UFC is probably going to circle you and earmark you for a future contender. Um, again, I just don't know where Holly goes because I don't, I doubt Holly wants to sit. She, obviously Holly's not one of these fighters that wants to sit and wage. I mean, she had a layup in the rematch with Ronda to make a bunch of money and pull in a million pay-per-view buys, but she chose to stay active and fight Misha Tate instead. And we never got the rematch between Ronda and Holly. So if, if Holly continues to do what she does and not, and wants to stay active, I literally have no idea who she could fight. Like, I know Panic Cans ads out there. I, mean, I can't imagine Macy's Jason's ever going to want to go back to Bantamweight. Carol Host is out there. Julia Avila is coming back. But these are women that are like, what, ranked 10 to 15, 10 to 18. So Holly's going to have to go back pretty far to get another fight unless she wants to go up to featherweight. Yeah. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Anytime Nate Landwehr is on a card, you know it's going to be exciting. That yeah. guy is just full of piss and vinegar, and yeah. it's just incredible. He, he just uh, he was like very calculated to start this fight, and then eventually, like yeah. Austin did something to piss him off, and he was like, "All right, I'm done with this." It just took him down, knocked yeah, his mouthpiece he- out, and choked him. <laughs> I remember he I was like watching this fight. I'm like, this seems like one of those fights where I can't remember who it was, who he fought when Diego's after the Diego Sanchez Gilbert Melendez fight. Remember that was one of like the craziest rounds at the end and it was like fight of the year and everything. And then the next fight, everyone kept talking about how like epic Diego Sanchez is, and that was all the interviews like, oh, fight of the night, fight of the night, fight of the year coming up. Was it Miles Jury he fought? I can't remember, but uh, I remember he, it just was not. Been, yeah, he just got it. Just was not the same. T- it it just did not live up to the pre-fight build and all the interviews. And I remember watching Nate fight like tonight, and I was like, "This is." I feel like Nate came came in with a game plan. Like his coaches were like, "Stop fighting like an idiot," and then he's just like, "Bump this." And then just won. He just went out there and, and won. So, like, I feel like he stuck to the game plan for, like, a round. And he was like, this is whack. And then just, like, like, like you said, just punched him in the face and choked him out. Like, just do that. If it's that easy, Nate, just do that. 
and then just get a microphone in your face and talk because it is right. glorious when he does that. Yeah, uh, and you're kept, right. What did he say? Like coming in victorious like the Alamo, and I'm like, bro, Texas lost the Alamo. Like, I know you got yeah. punched in the face a lot, but let's get some history right. <laughs> he said he said a lot of great stuff. Um, what did he, he was like? Look at this bicep, and I was like, love it. Make that a shot. Yeah, yeah. There is the, there is a great quote. Um, I'm trying to find it real quick. I, I should have been better prepared, but uh let's see let me pull it up it shouldn't be too far down uh i got a highlight reel like evil knievel i got swagger yeah. like elvis presley and i'll be damned if i ain't handsome just a plus stuff right there with with nate landwehr and and michael bisbing macy barber gets another win splitty over andrea lee yeah. This was a, a little bit contentious on social media a lot of people were was, very yeah, confident macy barber on the first two rounds and I did not feel, uh, and I was expecting all sorts of chaos and mayhem when it came to the cards, but uh, someone scored yeah. a 30, Dan Mergliotta scored a 30-27 for Macy Barber. I didn't see it that way. I don't like, I don't think it's like the most, it's not even close to the most egregious no. scorecard of the night. How did you score that one? I don't remember at all. I remember the fight ended and I was like, I remember the third round ended and I thought, oh, one more round. Like it was one of those fights, you know, like the rounds just kind of yeah. blended together. Um, I mean, it wasn't a terrible fight, but like both women, for whatever reason, have the ability to just like make their opponents just fight. I don't know. I don't know what like when Andrew Lee fought Lauren Murphy, when Macy Barber fought like uh, Miranda Maverick, like their fights are ne they're always close. They were they will forever be close fights because they're not fighting women that'll just melt them and they're there's like this gap in in the flyweight division where there's like the top three or four fighters and then there's this big gap where you could just interchange all of them ranking wise and skill wise and all of those fights will be razor thin and that's one of these you know how we joke there's always this joke like this is the most middleweight middleweighty of the middleweights. This was the yeah. most flyweights of the flyweights. This is what that is. Just two flyweights that are in a razor thin close fight. All of the rounds blend together and we're like, well, that could be 30-27 Andrew Lee or that could be 30-27 Macy Barber or it could be, even be a draw. I just don't know. Um yeah, I, I remember the fight ended and be like, I don't think it was a robbery, but I'm sure that's a fight people will disagree on and sure enough it was. Yeah, I don't think it was. A, it was definitely not a robbery. If you scored it for Lee, no. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have been mad at you. If you scored it for Barber, I thought when I heard the thirty twenty seven, I thought Andrew Lee won. I didn't think Macy won. Yeah, that's that's a good point. When I heard thirty twenty seven, I thought, oh, they gave it to Andrew. And then when they said Macy, I'm like, that's a weird, weird scorecard. Weird scorecards, people. But as I'm watching the fight, I'm realizing this is really good matchmaking for Macy Barber. Like yeah, she, she, I agree. I'm sure she took a lot away from this fight, got booed out of the building, took it like a champ, didn't clap back, just uh, had a nice little conversation with Bisbing, and we'll see where she goes from here. But she's on a roll right now. I think the, the plan is don't rush her too quickly, just kind of one notch at a time up those rankings and – continue to test her i think they have something with her she's only 24 so she's only going to get better she keeps evolving keeps learning mm -hmm. so uh this is a very good test for her a very good learning experience albert Dariaf beats chidi and jokawani in the middleweightiest welterweight fight i've ever seen mm -hmm. in my life uh another weird one where a lot of people were not pleased with the judges cards a lot of people thought chidi won that fight but again 
not a memorable matchup at the end of the day. Daniel Pineda submits Tucker Lutz. Good little comeback win. Uh, Victor Altamirano beats Venetia Salvador. That was a, a fight, a very weird fight. Michael Bisping called it a great <laughs> fight. It was not a great fight. It was a entertaining it fight. Was a fight. I will say that. It was a fight. Yeah. It was uh, a very for- good fight to kick off a, an entire prelim card. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, and then to follow it up with CJ Fargar and Daniel Serna is just oh, like, that fight was absolutely insane. Uh, Trevin Giles, you know, former middleweight, fought like a middleweight against Preston Parsons. Another one. A lot of people thought Preston Parsons won that fight. So that's another mm-hmm. one that uh, it was like four or five were, split decisions on this card. There are a bunch. Uh, that mm-hmm. one was like legit. Even on like MMA decisions, that was right down the middle. Like half had it for Giles, half had it for Parsons. And then Lucas Alexander gets his first UFC win, I believe, against uh, Stephen Ocho Peterson, who announced his retirement. Mm. And how apropos, mm. Jose, that Mr. Ocho retires after his eighth UFC appearance. I mean, that is just coincidence city right there. Fun fighter. No, And he said yeah. he had no plans at all to retire. He was not walking in that octagon with any thought of retirement. But as that fight played out, he realized... I just don't have it anymore and it's time for me to start coaching and go through with promoting events. Cause that's something he wants to do as well. But yeah. What'd you think about Steven Peterson announcing his retirement from the sport of mixed martial arts today? I mean, he was never ever going to be a top 15, top 20 fighter, but he was always in exciting fights. Like when it was either he was going to be in a back and forth war, he was going to pull off the win, or he was going to get melted. Like he's just an, he's just a fun dude to watch. Um, very fun interview. I remember he was on the Ultimate Fighter, and we interviewed him backstage. I think that was back at the Palms. I think that was the fight card. Izzy fought Brad Tavares, if I remember correctly. That was Izzy's coming out party. But yeah, I when he, I remember because I was again, I was like kind of doing Twitter reacts for this this fight card, and. Michael Bisping said something like, oh, Lucas Alexander looks like a future title contender. I'm like, does he? Or is Steven Peterson just being like, he just looks a step behind. Like, it just looks like Lucas Alexander was just better at overall at everything than than Steven Peterson. And if this was anyone else that was fighting Steven Peterson, I don't, anyone else but Steven Peterson, I don't think Lucas Alexander would have looked nearly as good. And then the second that fight ended, I'm like, man, I don't know if, that might be it for Steven Peterson in the UFC. And then he announced his retirement. And he had a good, you know, post-fight speech where he's like, like you said, he wanted to go into coaching. And if you follow him on Instagram and social media, he's he's putting a lot of work in the in with classes and stuff and promoting fights and doing all kinds of interviews. So he clearly at least has a plan moving forward for his career. But yeah, good on good on Steven Peterson. Um always enjoyed watching him fight. And yes, Loki has fought a lot of very talented people. Like I'm, he's lost like to Leandro Higo back in the on like the 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 regional days. Like Brandon Davis, Benito Lopez, Bruce Leroy, Violent Bob Ross, Juliana Rosa. Pretty sure has a win over Chase Hooper. So it's like he's fought in a lot yeah. of very not the best crop, but like f- fighters that people know. If that makes sense. Yeah, his first win, tough 27 finale against uh, New England's own Matt Bissette. That was his first Oof. win. Matt Bissette was on the wrong side of many, many splitties. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was one of them. I think that was the last UFC appearance for Matt Bissette. I think he was done after that. Uh, he has the win over Chase Tooper. And before that, he had that gnarly spinning back fist knockout of oh, Martin Bravo. In Mexico. 
That was in Mexico. Yeah, I remember November, that. Or September of 2019. But that Julian Arosa fight was such a wild fight. And I just think that yeah. that took not his, well, maybe did, like, I think Julian Rosa kind of took his soul that night. Like he just took whatever, whatever he had left. I think Julian just kind of took it from mm-hmm. him in that one. Well, he also, if he missed, war. he missed weight before that fight, right? He had missed weight, like back to back fights by three pounds, um, three pounds. Yeah. yeah. And then before that, and it was like four pounds. Her. Yep. Three yeah, and a half. So tough. Over. Tough. He made it for this one, but hey, yeah. people have like he was always a name that people knew. Like we're talking about Steven Peterson right now. We've talked more about Steven Peterson than we did the Macy Barber fight. So people knew who he was. Nice guy, one of the the nice guys in the sport, and mm-hmm. we wish him the best with his future endeavors in the world of mixed martial arts. Just not competing himself, at least in fist fighting. So that is UFC San Antonio. We ended up with ten fights. We touched on all of them. Let's bring in the baddest Ash in MMA, E. Casey Lydon, who, in my opinion, had the tweet of the night. And I'm going to pull it up right now because uh, Holly Holm had a very interesting post-fight interview. And while yeah. other fighters try to get the mic back and say very emotional things to the crowd about what the win meant to them, Holly Holm got back the mic and said something else. Casey tweets out, there's nothing more scary then an MMA fighter grabbing the mic after their post-fight interview and saying, quote, one more thing. And boy, <laughs> did that, that, that got a lot of play on social media, Casey. Well done. Uh, all right. Uh, I like Holly. Uh, Holly, was, Holly was at my wedding. <laughs> she was? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm a girl, oh, she, man. Yeah, I love I, I actually, I, I like Holly a lot. Um, you know, Holly's Holly. That was a she, very funny tweet, though. Yeah. It was a very funny tweet. <laughs> All right, um, let's hear from the peeps. Let's see how the peeps are reacting to UFC San Antonio. All right. Do, 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 do. Um. <clears throat> What's up with Alex Perez's fights always canceling? I don't know, man. Um, I, I just, I honestly, I just hope he's okay. I just hope he's okay. Vince Morales' tweet read like this three hours ago not my place to talk about what happened with alex scary stuff but hopefully it eases everyone's minds that by the time the emts got there he was together and speaking okay so watch the slander so hmm. doesn't sound doesn't sound very good it doesn't sound like uh it doesn't sound good it sounded like something pretty bad happened but manel cop did not feel that way at all um this was i mean just pure venom from Manal Cop, I will read you his post. Unfortunately, my opponent just came to weigh, uh, just came to weighing in to pose and take a picture. Inside me, I felt that he would not have the courage to face me. Our energies were totally different, and I knew that he did not want to be here. He did not want the same as I wanted, and it was notorious the fear that emanated from him. But I was surprised to see him getting on the bus, and I really thought we were going to fight. Even after grabbing him by the neck and giving him some good slaps in the chest in the meeting room, we arrived at the arena, warmed up turned on my hands and only three fights left before our fight he just gave up your dna is an abomination (laughs) unlike you my dna is from fearless warriors coming from queen najinga mdade my dna is history i kill by the sword and die by the sword inside the battlefield you coward cowards die several times before their death that is manel cop's response to alex perez your dna is an abomination is a line do you think Golly. he's angry? I think he's mad. 
I think he's mad. And man, so so Alex Perez was actually at the venue. It didn't like happen in the morning. He was at. Man. He was there. That is. He was there. No details. I have reached out and tried yeah. to get some answers, but yeah. no one's saying. Um, I hope Alex Perez is okay. And um, yeah, and it sucks for not for Manal Cop. And I was really looking forward to that fight. And I'm kind of, I'm just sad thinking about it. <laughs> his, I don't know his who typology. you give Manel now. The loser of, well, if Brandon Royval loses to Mateus Nicolau, that's the fight. Yeah, that's I true. That's a good I point. guess the issue is you, you bring him back real quick. I mean, I don't know how much the weight cut, the diet, you know, just cops schedule in general with his coaches and everything. Like, you know, everything messes up when you just, the fight just scrapped like hours before. So, um, yeah, it just, but a bummer. I mean, they're going to be back at the apex. I think the 20, I think the 22nd and the 29th cards are at the apex. And I know he's training out in Vegas right now. So mm-hmm. maybe just throw him on one of those two cards and yeah, maybe give him a, home. yeah, like a one thirty fight. So he doesn't cut because that'd be two big weight cuts. I don't know. I don't know. It, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Just a bummer. I, and, um, his tap Alex Perez's topology page is just there's so, so much gray. Crazy. There's so much gray, which is like, you know, when you have a canceled fight. Um since since, since the Figgy fight, November of twenty twenty, he's had one fight and nine cancellations. Nine cancellations in the last two plus years. That's friggin' wild. Yeah. Um if this if his, if his illness is weight cut related, I would assume the UFC would force him to go to 35. But it's the this UFC reminds me of this reminds me of the Ray Borg situations where it feels like every time he fought, it was like you just didn't know. Will he? Man, you just yeah, didn't like, know. Yeah. It's like yeah, literally they're in the arena. You still don't know. So yeah, that sucks. Uh, all right. So I don't know. It's crazy. He's not like, and the difference between Ray Borg and Alex Perez is Ray Borg could go up to 135 and still kind of be, he was, cause he was a thicker mm-hmm. flyweight. Alex Perez is not. He is like, yeah. his body is like, he's, I, which he's, is why I'm curious why he can't make 125 because he seems like the, a natural 125er. It's not like he, cause he, that, he took that fight against Figueredo. Like it wasn't like last, last, last minute, but he had, had like just fought. Uh, Tristan, do you feel that Macy Barber is still a title contender in the women's flyweight division? Yep. She's a, yeah, she's, she's on the road. She's on the road. It's just a matter of, it's a matter of how they book her. They have to book her smart. They got to book her smart. There's no need to rush her right now. Trucking her in there with like Aaron Blanchfield right now would not be right. wise. Right. I'm it's, I'm gonna say a big no, honestly. Um, I think Macy Barber is gonna be in the UFC for a long time. I don't think she'll ever break top five. Um, I feel bad saying that about fighters, but I don't, I just don't think she'll ever break top five. I don't think she's ever gonna be a true title contender. I thought she lost tonight. Um, I thought she lost against uh, Maverick. Fight. Maverick. I thought she lost against Maverick. Um, where did I pull up and made decisions? And in my decisions, it was split 50-50 between uh, the journalists. Um, I scored at 30-27 for Lee. Uh, a few other journalists did. And surprisingly, actually, 73% of the fans actually picked um, Lee. 
they uh, mm-hmm. they they scored a full lead too. So I was kind of shocked, but it was a close fight. I'm not I'm not gonna use the R word, the robbery, but uh, I did have it for Lee. So um, yeah, uh, I. I uh, I ended the fight thinking Lee. I I I was like, I think Andrew's gonna win twenty nine twenty eight. That's yeah. what when I had thought. When I had thirty twenty seven, I was like, okay, sure, that was Lee. I mean, Absolutely. People, yeah. people on Twitter were like adamant. Oh, Barber's definitely up two rounds because I was, yeah, I was control time is just control time. Like, what are you talking about? Like on the feet, they were pretty equal for most of that fight, and then Andrea got takedowns and. Like, it's not like she did nothing, but like if the action on the feet is almost 50-50 and Andrea gets a takedown with two minutes of control time and advances position and is in a more dominant spot, like, isn't that enough for her to win rounds? Like, I I don't know. I, I just didn't understand the confidence of people being like, oh, yeah, she's definitely up two rounds to nothing. I was like, eh, don't really know about that, but not a robbery. Close fight. Very close fight. I, I thought Lee won, but I don't know. Yeah. It's not a robbery. The thirty twenty seven for Macy was. Kind Did of you know Macy Barber has the second most knockout wins in flyweight history? Do you I know how many she know. has? Two. Three. Two. <laughs> <laughs> the Jillian Robinson one, I remember. And the uh, JJ was it JJ? The JJ Aldridge JJ, one. Yeah. Wait, yeah. didn't she get dropped in that fight too? Didn't JJ drop her uh, or like win the first round? Yeah. And then Barbara yeah. just went ham on her in the second. I remember that's right. I said so. More than two. No, she has the Macy has the second most. Oh, second most. Okay, gotcha, like, gotcha. Yeah, like Lauren, like like I'm pretty sure Valentina. I don't know how many Valentina has, yeah. but I would imagine she has like the most. I just looked it up. She has four. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's a newer division. Newer division. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. <laughs> uh, do 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 do. Um. Do, did we answer this? Uh, did this make Holly a contender? Does Arena and Raquel get made for the interim title? If that fight happens, I think both are ahead of the. Of, I think both are ahead of Holly right now. Yeah, Arena for sure. Raquel probably, but Raquel also fought Nunez, and that was not competitive. Yeah, but I don't know. I think I Holly. Know. If as far as a rematch with Amanda, if Amanda's still champ, I think the Holly one's much more likely. I just think it'll, it'll sell better, and that's important for the UFC. It's also you know, like as, she's not getting younger, and as I yeah. hate saying that about fighters, but like I think it's like when they gave Benson the title shot against Umar, it's like did he deserve it or is this like his last shot? Yeah. Oh, Usman, 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 Usman. Usman. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was it's a tourney, so yeah, yeah. it was so one versus eight. Sure. Yeah, it was it was it was it was proper it was proper matchmaking. Uh, okay, and just a little, oh. just a little tease, real quick, since Jose mentioned Benson Henderson, uh, a new episode of Dan They Were Good are going to be coming out uh, next Is week there? on Benson Henderson. So stay tuned. He was for very that. good at MMA. Yes, it was a fun episode. Is I actually got to be on the panel for that one, so it was fun. This has maybe this is a little off topic. Now we're talking about Benson. Benson's a UFC Hall of Famer, right? He should be. He should I mean, because be. if Cowboy is, I know Cowboy's a fan favorite, but if Cowboy is, shouldn't Benson be? Because he was an actual champion. Yeah, I'm just saying. He should. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's wild that Benson Benson has spent most more of his career in Bellator than the UFC, which is wild yeah. to think about. Yeah. Benson's 2009 to 2013 are absolutely ridiculous. Like until from yeah. 
the start of 2009 to when he lost the UFC title to Anthony Pettis, that run is absolutely insane. Like, it is nuts. Back-to-back fights Even. of the year for MMA fighting with Cerrone yeah. and then the Pettis, the Showtime kick fight. Then he goes to the UFC, wins his first couple of fights, wins the belt, beats Frankie in the rematch, has another couple of, like, competitive title defenses. I mean, he beat the hell... He beat up Nate Diaz to the point where Nate Diaz actually raised that man's hand after the fight. When was the last time you've seen Nate Diaz yeah. raise a man's hand after, like, after the fight goes to the cards? That guy was that four year run was absolutely incredible, dude. Even after that, like his the fight against Brandon Thatch is a fight I don't think enough people talk about. Oh, like that performances because Benson went up to went up yeah. to what he went up to one seventy, and if you if. And that's five fans that don't. Yeah. Brandon Thatch was absolutely massive. Mm-hmm. He was the welterweight Alex Pereira, where it's like, how the hell do you make 170? That dude's walking around like 200 pounds, cutting to 170. Yeah. He had like, he, Brandon Thatch had like Hamzat buzz back then. Like, not yeah. quite to that level, but cl- like, if you're going to compare eras and times, Brandon Thatch was like what Hamzat was. He won a couple of fights because like, he was going to be a two division champion. Like that's what people thought of him. And because he was a good looking, again. he was a good looking cat, and he like he got a huge win like right out of the gate, and then he took he yeah. missed a bunch of time and then came back and lost to Benson Henderson, and then never won a fight again. Never. That was it. Yeah. End of his career. Yeah. Wild. Happy but stay tuned for that. It's fun episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we could go uh, on a tan. We could go on a tangent yeah. about Benson Ruckus for a while. Brandon Ruckus about- Thatch. Yeah. Damn, they were all right. <laughs> Damn, they were close. <laughs> <laughs> Why call up Marab over Sugar? He has to know something. We yeah, all know that's this. What I said. But we all know this. We all know that Sean O'Malley's next. He's the biggest star in the division. He's going yeah. to get the next title shot. So you, Prize you, you, pre- you appreciated um, Corey not wasting it, even though yes, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, I do appreciate that a lot. It's like when Bilal called out, like you said, when Bilal calls out Colby and for a title shot, I'm like, well, that's just not going to happen. Like, call out, yeah, call out Hamzat. No one's calling out Hamzat. Yeah, Stuff like that. Like, when Bilal beat Vicente Luque, it was a week after Hamzat. It was like a week or two after Hamzat fought Gilbert Burns. And you had been calling out Hamzat for weeks leading Bro, into that fight. Do you remember and then when the what, mic is in your face, you call for Usman and you weren't going to get it. Do you remember? Hamzat was right there. Do you remember what Bilal Muhammad was wearing at the UFC Hall of Fame? No, no I don't. At the red carpet, me and you worked it. Bilal Muhammad was walking around with a shirt with a fake fight poster for Bilal versus Hamza. Oh, that's right. And I'm like, why didn't you say this on national television when you had a microphone in front of you? No, it wasn't even the Luque fight. I forget who it was. The Luque fight is when he called out Colby. And I remember I tweeted (sighs) out right before, like, don't call it Usman or Colby. All in on Hamza. And he called out Colby. And I was like, oh, dude, you can't do that. Now it makes, like... And then, like, even after the 280 went over Brady, he almost whiffed it. And then he was like, all right, I'll call the wolf. I hear the wolf's barking. I'll fight him. And didn't call him up by name. But that's, like, cool. what kind of has left Bilal behind a little bit. But this past week has actually given Bilal a little bit of a boost. I think Colby's okay. done him some favors. So, and he's done yeah. a good job picking up the ball and running with it. I I really appreciated Corey going, okay, here comes the prize fighter doing the <laughs> entertainment thing. You know, like he's like, all right, here I go. You know? It was so funny. 
Well, I, I, would never, I, I would never, I would never try to jump yeah, over Rob for the title fight. So I'll just fight him. I love that. I love that idea. That that's a that's, that's a, a ballsy call out, and I love it. Corey is very much a realistic. Like, remember when he was on the A side, Casey, back when yeah. we were doing the oh, A yeah. side three yeah. times a week. He is like such a realistic individual with his career. Like he's like, well, I might lose, so like he just he's so realistic, and I love yeah, it. It's yeah. refreshing. I think I remember- we uh, yeah we did a side and it was it was when everyone was under pretty strict quarantine at that time and yeah. I think he said he was just him and his uh, fiance or girlfriend at the time yeah he just yeah he she, she holds pads for me we, yeah. we just, I was like <laughs> yeah he was I was like Corey how do you like what's the rules for the gym he's like oh my girlfriend holds pads for me she doesn't really like when I throw head kicks and I was like yeah I can imagine <laughs> <laughs> he's such an interesting guy I love such an I loved the um. Like normally the pre-fight packages for these fight night cards are just kind of blah because um, it's always like a fake beef that doesn't really matter yeah. or make any sense. But in this in this case, there was no real rivalry outside of a competitive rivalry. And you get to kind of see the stories of both guys just coming from the beginnings the where, where their sort of humbleness comes from. I dug it. I dug I like, it. Like yeah. Corey talking about his dad and his parents, like how he gets certain traits from each of his parents. And obviously Cheeto's story is bananas getting to where he's at so i loved i loved the uh pre-fight packages for this card it was good stuff and Corey changed his walkout song he normally walks out to give me the loot by biggie which is an amazing song but he walked out to uh, i think a uh, ring of fire by <sighs> the late johnny cash which is um oh, you, you, oh i heard uh i, th- I, yeah, I i'm not a big jo- yeah, a big sure. johnny cash fan or going to ring of fire too on the nose i'm not a, i'm not a big ring of fire fan okay fair enough fair enough no, no, okay. I got literally. I have nothing against this the singer Johnny Cash. I don't know oh, okay. enough about his personal life to form a judgment, but <laughs> not a fan of that specific song. All right. Well, I think it's got, it's got the Spanish horns. I think I think it worked well in um, San Antonio. Sure. That's all. Yeah. I mean, I get why he walked out to it. <laughs> Do you? We mentioned Cerrone getting in the Hall of Fame, Casey. What did you think about that? It seemed. I, I mean, obviously he was going to get in. Um, I'm, I'm I just wasn't the- sure if he was going to get in like the next I- year. But I'm with Ariel. I don't, I don't hate it. I'm all. with Ariel. A lot of this. It needs give it some time. That's five all. years. Give, give it. I some think time. you need five years. It's like in like in other pro sports, you have to be retired for five years unless there's some circumstance like Roberto Clemente where you get in the next year. Yeah, because we're, we're gonna they're gonna. I feel like it's not the, it's not the straight the same comparison, but I feel like it's contender series where like where Dana just brings every, signs everyone. I think they just put everyone in the Hall of Fame. So, like, I feel like in five years, yeah. we're, they're going to run out of fighters to put in the Hall of Fame. You know? So, like, what's the, who's who's going in this year? Anderson? Anderson, uh, Jens Pulver, and Cowboy Aldo. right now. And Aldo. And Aldo. And Cerrone. It's good class. Yeah, yeah, it's good class. Yeah, I just think it's too – I think you, you know, Cerrone next year. And uh, whatever. That's Of course, Cerrone should be in it. Just not give it some, give it some time. That's all. Um, oh, I was gonna ask. Um, well, actually, no, I was gonna ask. Uh, there was a question for it. <laughs> uh, that was a cool ass moment. That was a cool ass moment as you look for the question with Cerrone, like getting emotional, and then it like, was it, the, the moment the kid, was nice. Kids walked yeah. up to him, and he was like, "Oh, damn, they're here! I didn't know that." And <laughs> have you watched his? Uh, so, so if, when you make the Hall of Fame, unless you're Anderson Silva because you're not in the building, that you go do a scrum backstage. Um, I think even when 
did Bruce Buffer get in the Hall of Fame? Because he did a random scrum at one point. But like, essentially, if you if you get in the Hall of Fame, you go do a media scrum backstage. Like DC did it in Phoenix when they announced it, and Habib did one, and Jose Aldo did one in Brazil. Uh, Oscar Willis of the Mac Life goes, "Oh, how, how's retirement treating you?" He's like, "Well, I got hair plugs, and I'm on a bunch of steroids." Like that's that was oh, his okay. answer. That was, that was his answer. Hair plugs and steroids. Say, wow. I didn't put I didn't put in the slack because I was doing something. I was like I was like Cerrone looks like he's two hundred and fifteen pounds right now. Yeah. He literally he said it on I camera, can't. so it's out. It's probably just like HGH or something like that. Yeah. But I'll like well, fair play to you. Cerrone's. He's a, he's a he's he's an actor now, so he needs to get buff. Yeah, gotta get buff. When he's, Cerrone was in his prime, he's, his he's a light heavyweight. Yeah, his his switch kick is his switch head oh. kick especially is so beautiful, so quick. I was like, I just just one of the greatest switch kicks I've seen in MMA. I just, oh, he's so good. The, he was so good at kicking people in the head. Yeah, the and we just had this finish is incredible. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and the Matt Brown finish. Yeah, yeah. He had the same, and obviously they came from the same era of that gym, like. Cowboy and Condit, I feel like just the era of fighters just caught up to them where they were so violent with their striking and their best defense or grappling was they were so good off of their back that you would just be afraid to take them down. And then everyone just sort of figured it out. And then they just, you know, t- just time passed them by. Their bodies just couldn't handle it anymore. But uh, yeah, um, I was um, so I was actually filming stuff. Um, at the gym at the the BMF ranch before the BMF belt became a thing was the BMF ranch right when um, Paul Felder was visiting there and he lived in oh, wow. um, lived in uh, Cowboys kind of dorms there were probably like maybe I don't know about 10 fighters or so and Paul Felder was one of them and um, yeah I remember I met Paul Felder there and he asked me to shoot some footage of him you know hitting pads and stuff and I was like wow this guy looks really good and I was <laughs> That's all I thought. I was like, okay, well, because there were there were a bunch of tough guys there, but and I was like, this guy like he hits pads really hard, and he's got an incredible gas tank, and um, yeah, and, <laughs> and so when Paul Felder when he said that little thing um afterward about um uh talking about cowboy, um all that's one hundred percent true. That that's no BS. Yeah. Um, I was there. I saw Paul Felder when he was just a regional fighter on the East Coast, and I don't know how we got to Cowboys Ranch, but. I was I, I just luckily I was there for those like week when kind of all that happened he got signed by the UFC so um, congratulations. Um, it's wild that his last one was Ali Akinta. Yeah, <laughs> that is pretty wild. That is pretty wild. If you're a newer fan, and I know we mentioned his name earlier, if you want to go back and watch just like a classic cowboy fight, go watch Cowboy Benson Henderson one. Holy smokes, dude! That mm-hmm. fight oh. ages tremendously it it holds up it holds up my friends is mma fighting's fight of the year in 2009 yeah i was also in a lot of fights that like Matt, that like his fight against robbie lawler was terrible <laughs> and i it was terrible and when they announced that fight i'm like oh this is guaranteed fight of the night and then it happened i was like i don't that fight sucked same what? as the uh the uh well, some of them were just quick, like the Robbie's Robbie, Anthony Pettis, Robbie but, size was. I think didn't Robbie kind of take yes. take yeah. Robbie just turns out yeah. Robbie is like a big welterweight, and then um, Cowboy was a small welterweight, and it kind of it showed that night. Yeah, yes. Um, and uh, um, hmm. that was a weird card. That was a very tense fight. We were just like waiting for something to happen, and it just never yes. really did. Yeah. Um, let me see. Any more questions? 
Oh, uh, what do you think about this? Uh, why let Marab knock off contenders if he won't fight the champ? It's so silly. Because, I mean, there's a shelf life on this, it looks like. But what do you think, Jose? Why, why put well, Marab in this? This is an interesting question. Why, why have Marab fight Corey specifically, I think, is probably what they're kind of alluding to in this one. Well, uh, Alderman's already beat Corey Sanhagen. And if Alderman's talking about going up to featherweight, I don't think a fighter that he submitted in the first round, a rematch with that, it would be enough to keep him from going back up. And I can't imagine there's a world where Henry Cejudo fights Corey Sanhagen. Uh, if Henry Cejudo fights Corey Sanhagen, then it'll be on the same card as John Jones versus Sergey Pavlovich because neither of those fights will happen regardless of whether they deserve to happen or not. So do you get what I'm saying, though? Like, they're both like yeah. Corey and Pavlovich and Curtis Blades are just such good fighters, but there's just the, – it's not going to be enough to keep John Jones and Steve Bay yeah, from sticking bring, around. Bring, like, bring this, right. If in. John Jones – like, Sergey Pavlovich just will – is just murking fools left and right. Like John, but it, even Stipe, like say Stipe beats John Jones and then they rematch. Like I don't think Stipe or John's sticking around to fight Sergey Pavlovich. I don't think. I and Sanders Cejudo has made a note he wants to go up for fourth belt to become four C. Like the guys that will keep him down at one thirty five are, or C four, whatever he calls him, is Alderman because he has the belt and Sean O'Malley because he will draw a lot of eyeballs. Like a fight with Marab and a fight with Corey Sanhagen are the worst case scenario for a UFC fighter in that they are of those names. Marab and Corey Sanhagen are probably the most dangerous and they drum up the least amount of interest. If that makes sense. Yep. We all know what's going to happen with Cejudo. If he beats Aljo, he's going to fight Sean O'Malley and then he's mm -hmm. just not fighting anybody unless it's Volkanovsky. That's it. Mm -hmm. Pretty much. That's mm -hmm. it. Eh, but the, hey, the UFC knows this. They, that's this, this is the. Um, and in the meantime, we're just gonna get fun fights with Corey Sanhagen versus fill in the blank because he is a very fun martial artist to watch. Also, yeah. I, remember on the A side because we like one of the, some of the questions we we would recycle a lot of the questions just to like kill time. Like, oh, who's your favorite <laughs> fighter to watch in quarantine? And do you remember Corey Sanhagen's answer, Casey? I uh, know, I don't, I don't. He goes, myself. I'm my favorite <laughs> fighter. <laughs> He goes, I just like to watch highlights of myself because I'm the most exciting fighter. I'm like, Corey Sanhagen, you're the man. He, he, but he, said, he says it so, like, you, you gave it way more emotion, I remember, than he did. I know. Yeah, he He's just like, says it so, like, flat. Uh, myself. Like, He's myself. Just like, I'm like, oh, Corey, who do you like to watch? Like, who are some of your favorite fighters? Uh, myself. Uh, I just watch highlights of myself. I'm just a really exciting fighter. I was like, I love it. <laughs> I love incredible. It. It's like when Freddie Mercury. It's like when someone asks Freddie Mercury, like, "Oh, what songs do you sing in the shower?" He's like, "Queens," because we have the best songs. <laughs> <laughs> did he answer the um, Did he answer the ice cream question? I don't remember. Ooh. I don't remember. Yeah. But I and also I've, asked I've, him. This was this is like before. peak. Yeah. This was peak crystal talk. And I asked Corey, I like, <laughs> "Do you believe in crystals?" And he answered it so seriously. He's like. Well, you know, I can believe in, you know, metaphysical stuff in the outer space. It's not really for me, but like if other people get stuff out of it and they just feel like it empowers them to just fulfill their dreams and move on forward in life, then by all means, just keep on going for them. Like, God damn it, Corey Sanhagen, you are just like the most well-spoken man I've ever spoken with. 
<laughs> I'm all like, they're cool. They're, they're, yeah. they're, they're shiny. <laughs> they're shiny. And he's like, well, you know, the manifest destiny of the world, like it just draws energy. And if that's what you believe, I'm just like, neat. I also on Fight Island, so I have a Wu-Tang shirt, but it says Wu-Tang in, in, I believe, Japanese. I don't quote me. I have no idea. But it says Wu-Tang in like an, uh, some some Asian yeah. uh, writing. And it was the day of official weigh-ins where we had to take COVID tests. So the fighters and us had to take COVID tests like in adjacent rooms. And I walked past Corey Sanhagen, who looked like absolute death cutting weight to fight. Uh, I believe it was to fight Marlon Moraes. And he walked up. He like slowly walks up to me, which I think is about as fast as he can move at that time because it was literally he was weighing in in like 20 minutes. And he just go. He just started talking about Wu-Tang Clan while his face was sucked out and there was no moisture on his lips. It was, I felt, I'm like, Corey, you need to sit down. And he's like, no, this song is better. I'm like, Corey, go make weight. And then we can talk about this. Uh, the best. What a yeah. professional and, athlete. And remember, like I could talk about like how funny Corey said, remember when he fought Jan and then I think it was like DC or someone was like, Corey, do you think you did enough to win that fight when it was all said and done? He's like, no, he won. <laughs> He's so funny. I love. I wish more fighters were like Corey Sanhagen. and just like not a not like an asshole confident, but just like confident. Like I'm the most like the promo package you were talking about, Mike. When he's when his dad didn't understand like MMA, he's like, Dad, I'm just really good at this, and his dad's like, All right. <laughs> It's not an exact comparison, but Corey does remind me of a, a bantamweight version of Carlos Condit a bit. Kind of. Oh, know, just yeah, his, for his big, sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. That's a great comparison. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I was trying to figure out like, why, why do I love Corey Sandhagen? I was like, oh, because I love Carlos Condit. <laughs> yeah. Like when uh, for Cor- for Condit's last, was, what was his last fight? Trevin Giles? Was that his last fight? Who did he fight? Cor- Who's Corey? Cor- Cor- Condit's last fight. No, because he beat Cormac. Oh, yeah, fight Einstein. Oh, uh, Max Griffin. Uh, Max Griffin. Yeah, Might have been Max Griffin. Yeah, Max, I always get Max Griffin and Trevin Giles mixed up. Yeah. Um, but I remember Carlos signed his the signs the bout agreement when he got to Vegas that week. Like he had it. He went through training camp, cut weight, and went to fight week without signing the actual contract. And I go, "Is that normal?" And he's like, "Yeah." I do that every time. <laughs> but to everyone else in the world, that was like, how could you go through a camp without a fight contract? He's like, oh, I, I just do. <laughs> uh, I miss Carlos Condit. Media yeah, days. So do I. Those are the best. Rumble at the Rock, never die. Yes. 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 Oh, man. That you, yeah, That's another got, great rabbit hole to go down if you oh, want to go back and watch fun. Greatest greatest tournament ever put together if you go look at that the people in that tournament it had like jake shields anderson you they were all in it i forget there was bj Penn fought a couple of times for them and it, i forget what fight it wasn't the gomi fight but it was a different fight he fought for rumble the rock and this is the most hawaiian thing ever so they're <laughs> fighting and this is on the dvd they're fighting a fight breaks out in the crowd the cameras go to the fight in the crowd. And so, like, oh. there's a good 15, 30 seconds where you don't see any action in the cage. All the cameras are going to the fight in the crowd. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh man, yeah. To answer this person's question because he's asked it about eight times, oh. is O'Malley doing the Colby move? We should answer that because I've seen this thing fly past us like seven or eight times. From Brandon QFG. Is he Wait, what doing is the, the, what Colby, is the Colby move? move? What is it the- says, is O'Malley doing the Colby move and waiting for a title shot? Should he fight Cheeto next? He loves to match him up. Like, does that make like he's asked this, and I think we should answer it. Will you just wait? Is that well? I mean, I don't know if it's the Colby move. Like the Colby move. Like Colby just left and surprisingly came back. And O'Malley, after beating Jan, was clearly in everybody's minds getting a title shot. It was just a matter of when. Mm-hmm. And if Aljo had just, we're speaking of fumbling bags and not doing call-outs correctly, if Aljo just went right in on Sean O'Malley after he beat TJ Dillashaw when the mic was in front of him instead of calling out everybody, including O'Malley, Cejudo, Cheeto, others that he said, he's probably fighting Sean O'Malley at UFC 288. Yeah. He didn't yeah. do that. And then he realized the mistake he made and on his podcast and doing other interviews – he started calling out Sean and turning his attention to Sean. Sean's the biggest draw in the division, which he's not wrong about. And at that point, it was already too late, and the wheels mm-hmm. are already in motion for Cejudo. So Sean's next. He's getting the winner of that fight. Like, And if something happens with one of these two guys and they can't make it to New Jersey, guess who's stepping in? It's probably going to be Sean O'Malley. I don't know. Sean O'Malley takes a long, it takes a long time for him to make 135. You think it's I think that would be the- when he says he's ready to go? Maybe I think he's trying like it's I've Sean O'Malley cuts a ton of weight to make 135. So I think he would be a fighter that would ask for like a full camp that like, you know, maybe because like it's like so RDA be- would ne- I can't imagine RDA would want to take a short notice 155 fight at the time. Just he because like he said, he needs a lot of time to make 155. I think that would be the only thing preventing a last unless he's in camp right now. That's what I'm thinking. Like yeah, maybe, maybe he's pulling a San, maybe he's pulling a Sanhagen right now. Where like yeah. when Sanhagen yeah, stepped that's into good, Fayan, yeah, that's a good point. Like he knew, and that, look, that's a risky. Like that's a fight with Cejudo, and there's a lot of people who feel like I'm not going to believe Cejudo's back until he actually steps in the cage. Yeah. So maybe maybe Sean's just like getting ready. Maybe the UFC has told him like maybe this isn't signed, sealed, and delivered yet. Like stay ready, and if we need you, we're going to tag your ass in. So. I don't know. And I, I but, saw someone say it's the Stipe move. I think the difference between Stipe, Colby, and O'Malley is Sean O'Malley was, like, active and beat Peter Yan. Like, beating at the time yeah. was – a lot of people considered Peter Yan, like, one of the – like, an uncrowned champ. This would be, like, if Stipe knocked out – like, beat Curtis Blades. Like, like Stipe lost to Francis and then hasn't fought. Colby lost to Usman and hasn't fought. Like, Sean O'Malley is – beat the guy that he like mike said he should already have the title fight it should be o'malley right now and when he beat yeah. Jan, whether you whether you believe he won or not like i thought it was a no-brainer he got style shot i thought he deserved it yeah he beat the number one ranked guy so if rankings are to mean anything and even if, if we are to take dana white at his word dana said leading into that fight the winner of that fight is getting <laughs> a title fight so we know how Dana is with his word. In fact, um, <laughs> apparently he spoke with the, he did the presser and said that Colby getting a title shot is a no brainer. And even went as far as to say that if Usman won, they would have done Colby Usman three apparently. So this is, this is not O'Malley doing the Colby move. O'Malley was already there. He's just going to keep his spot. And 
he's the biggest um, star in the division. So why would he fight anybody else right now when he's pretty much guaranteed the next fight? Unrelated, because we're getting more questions now. I see someone ask, is, is, I'm going to ask you guys this because I already know the answer. Is Cowboy the first Hall of Famer to not win a UFC belt? Ooh, oh, no, the answer I mean, is very obvious. The second I read this, I knew the answer. Uh, no, he can't be. Um, He's not. But can you think of the other one? Okay, I'm, I'm, almost I'm counting, all of them. Almost like I like obviously like the Shamrocks uh, and the and the and the Severns won like yeah. the tournaments and the super fight stuff. Yeah. And like like Hoist Gracie technically never had a belt, but like he was a champion. And there's been a lot of interim champions, but there is a very obvious one that's already in there. Um. Man, very obvious. It's um, Brock didn't go in. Right? Oh, no, Brock was champ. No, right. um, I'm not talking about fights. I'm talking about individual. Yeah, yeah, the individual ones. I know. Yeah, uh, fights. Yeah, there's a lot of non-champions in. Um, what am I missing? I know there's an obvious one. Oh, Sark- you want me to Sarkaraba? Sarkaraba? Sarkaraba. No, well, Sarkaraba. he won the. That's what he, I'm not counting tournament. Like because yeah, he won yeah, the Jap- right, yeah, UFC Japan heavyweight. The answer is Uriah Faber, who famously never won a UFC title. Ah, uh, that's right. Ah, see, that's I don't right. want to. I, 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 I get that, but I think it's more of a technicality. But you're right. You're right. Technically, yeah, he did not win the title. He was the he, WEC the featherweight champ. Yeah, he was yeah, the WEC when there, champ. When there, when there was no UFC Correct. featherweight championship. So I Correct. think in my mind, I kind of you know, carry it over, but I understand. Yeah. All right. So so I yeah. guess Cowboy would kind of be the first. Non- Cowboy ever. Zoof- no. Was he, was he a WEC Cow- champion? Nope. He, never, he was never a Zufa champion. Wow. So okay, this is yeah. see, there you go. So, so he would be the, the he thing. would no, be the just, yeah yeah no Zufa. Yeah, when he when he fought no. Benson the first time is for the interim title because Jamie Varner was hurt and yeah. then Benson beat Jamie Varner to unify the belts. Yeah. Wow. <sighs> what a time that was! Holy shit! <laughs> yeah. Because there have been like I guess obviously like Big Nog was was an interim heavyweight champion, um, and like Don Fry was like a bunch had a bunch of tournament wins, but. Like, I think Cowboy is the first one that's like no WEC U- yeah. UFC Zufa. It was never he was never on a poster of a belt on him. You know, never had no. that shot. Yeah, no, correct. Because hmm. even like Maurice Smith was a heavyweight champion. People yeah. forget that. Like Matt Sarah was a welterweight champion. Kevin Randleman was a heavyweight champion. Rich Franklin was a middleweight champion. Jens Pulver was a lightweight champion. Yep. Um, but yeah, like Rashad Bisbing, Habib, GSP, like all these cats, they're all like champions but Faber and Cowboy only non UFC champions who's the next who will be the next who will be the next non champion to make the Hall of Fame Jorge Mazadal what about Overeem hmm that's a good one I actually I was gonna say Jim Miller Oh, that's a good shout. But that means Jim Miller would have to retire soon. Yeah, which is which never gonna, you know, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> Jim Jim might be Jim might be a Hall of Famer and still fight. Yeah. Like he might be that guy. Jim Miller um, would be Uriah the Faber, first. Uriah Faber fought as a Hall of Famer. Hmm. Is that the Jim on Miller fight? would be the first Hall of Famer who never actually even fought for a title. He never even that made would a title be a good fight. One. Yeah. Yeah, because um, Overeem, be Cowboy, they they lost titles. But they had the title shot though. I think um yeah. I think Miller that is a one. good that's a good shout because Jim Miller could yeah. go in the Hall of Fame tomorrow and no one would bat an eye. Yeah, he, he should it. be in this class. I mean he yeah. should be in all of them. Jim Miller? They put him in yeah. every year. They should rename they should rename the wing. They should rename the post fight bonuses, <laughs> the Jim Miller bonuses. 
I love it. Absolutely love that. All right. Do we have anything? Who do you think will be the oh. next contributor to to go in? Next contributor to go in? Yeah, like you know, like Charles Mask and Art Davy, Mark Ratner, oh. like those guys. I thought a no-brainer, like it's not going to happen anytime, obviously anytime anymore. But I thought at some point John McCarthy would have gone in just because he like helped write the rules. But now that he's with Bellator, he's not going to go in. Yeah. I mm, think maybe, maybe someone like maybe yeah, someone like Goldberg, one. maybe Goldberg. Goldberg should definitely get it. Ooh, should definitely, Rogan Goldberg and Goldberg, should they should go in yeah. together. Yeah, I think that'd be kind of cool, actually. That'd be cool I, if they went in together. Yeah, I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of Goldberg, but I can't deny his significance yeah, he I had agree. on this sport. Yeah, so I'm not gonna mm-hmm. take. I would never take that away from him for sure. Dana, oddly enough, who's the guy that founded the Underground? Dana loves that guy. I forgot his name. Yeah, I forget his I name. I met too. him. He, Dana, loves that guy. I feel like he would induct him just because that really was the first forum on the internet. Yeah, it was for sure. Yeah. <laughs> That was the only form for a while. And then next year, uh, Jeff Sherdog gets in. <laughs> Jeff Sherwood. Oh, God. <laughs> they put Jeff Imagine. Sherwood and Greg Savage in together. <laughs> before Frank Shamrock. <laughs> oh, my God. Who do you think – last question before I, I know we keep trying to wrap this up. Who do you think will be the next female fighter in the Hall of Fame? So right now there's only one, right? It'll probably be Joanna. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good yeah, one. Yeah. Yeah, she's, she's, she's actually retired. Is she retired? She's retired, right? She's retired. Yeah. Okay, exactly. Mm-hmm. I feel like, I feel like, uh, I feel like the door is not completely shut. But uh, no, Misha will go in. It's, it's it's unlocked. Holly will go in. Holly will definitely go in. Uh, Do you think Joanna goes in as an individual, or they induct Joanna Whaley? Though both, 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 both. Yeah, both. both. Is anyone? Does anyone have two or four? Obviously. Uh. Like Forrest is the fight. Oh, Matt Hughes, obviously. Well, I mean, there's a bunch. Matt Hughes. Yeah, he's actually Mark Coleman. Yeah. Freaking uh, Cubs Swanson, Duhoy Choi is in it. I'm so happy that's in that. <laughs> yeah. Do you think Diego will get in? As an individual? I think I think Diego mm, I burned think a so. lot of bridges, maybe, but I want, yeah. he should be in. Is Clay Guida making Interesting. it as an individual? Clay Guida, I think Clay Guida will go she in. better. It. That dude no, Clay Guida's already in the Hall of Fame. He's in as a fight. Yeah, yeah. As a fight well, with yeah, Diego, yeah, but like yeah, oh, yeah. the individual, individual award. Unless we'll they do the a strike force wing. They do a strike force wing. You he's, can't do it without Clay Guida. He's the first one. First he's one. Champion. He's the champ. Yeah. What's what's the fight that goes in this year, you think? Oh, they haven't announced that yet. Oh. Ooh. They have not announced is, that is, yet. Is there a time span that what's is it five years for those? Or like I don't they, they don't really have one. Jeez, like they, they wow. put some duo choice was 2016. <laughs> oh, uh, so that's a good call. It's too what the fight of the Condit? It won't go in this year. Ooh, that's great. a good one. Or 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 Lawler McDonald. Since since Rory's retired, that might make sense too. Yeah, I think the Condit fight's better though. It but is better. better. Wait, is Condit a Hall of Is Condit a Hall of Famer? I think he is because Dana is. really Dana actually really likes Carlos Condit because when even when Carlos was kind of on a slide his his contract came up and I asked Dana at the presser I'm like hey Carlos's contract is up and, and he and Dana's like is it oh we'll get him resigned like he did, you know how normally like oh we yeah. gotta like get he was immediately like oh we'll resign him and he did oh, I think dude, oh Yuri Glover would be a good one obviously. It might be too, too soon, soon for that one I think it's too soon. I think Glover it's Glover will probably get in the Hall of Fame next year. By like it's an individual, yeah. he won't get in this year. But next, Izzy year, Gaslam will. will eventually go in. 
Yep. Um, but I think Con Condit um Condit Law is a great pick. I think they would do Condit Rory for that one. Condit, I mean, I mean, Rory and and Robbie will probably go in first because that card was massive, and I think more people talk about that fight, you know, because it was on one eighty nine, and that's like the greatest main event main card ever. Yeah. Do you think uh, Connor Connor Nate one and two Connor Nate two will Connor Nate two will go in for sure, for sure. That's I feel, Connor, I, I feel Connor. I feel both of them could go, and like, they might bring them together as like one award because like, I kind of combine all those all those rounds. The rival, a, a new rivalry wing. Ooh, how about that? DC and Jones can go up together and accept an award together. Is like, that the that biggest be? rivalry in UFC history, DC Jones? I think it's. I think it fact, is. Ranking wise, and 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 because they were they themselves, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Con- Connor Nate. Hatred, yeah. Yes. Yeah, Connor Nate probably money making. That was a is, beef. That was a beef. Like this yeah. was like it started off competitive and then they it still simmers. Yeah, it still simmers. Like Connor obviously Nate, Tito, Tito and Chuck is up there, and like Randy Tito Couture and, and Chuck is up there. Bit. Tito and Shamrock, obviously Tito and Shamrock, but like I think Tito Jones and, and DC. Tito and Dana. Yeah. Dana versus a lot of people, but I think DC Jones is number is the best ever. It drew it's eyeballs. Hate, most hated, yeah. The, what, the sure. both times they fought, there was there they. I think the first time for sure they were like you know how this whole number one versus number two pound for pound was Islam. Like they didn't have the rings at the time, but Jones DC was one versus two. I think we can all agree with that. And then yeah, even the second I fight, I would even the second fight, I would probably put them one and two. Like competitively, yeah. it had it, that checks all boxes. For like the a, second a fight was rivalry. clearly, yeah. The second fight was definitely they were one and two at the time. And the first, first fight, fight DC well. hadn't even lost yet. <laughs> it's wild. Yeah, I think I think you're right as far as like what rivalry actually means in like combat. Yes. it's DC and Jones. I think, yes. so. but I think the more the more fascinating rivalry is Connor. And oh, Nate. How Connor just, like, and Nate. Nowhere. Sh- Connor and Nate shifted the entire sport. Yeah. Just what they did, kind of what they did for one another, mm-hmm. like without, like beefing, but still like understanding what was best for their own personal brands, and like not taking other fights and waiting for the right thing to happen to get those two back in the cage together, like just brilliant shit. Like those are two excellent thirty for thirties. Jones DC, and then just a fascinating look behind the Diaz McGregor rivalry. God, twenty sixteen was the best. What a year. I think I think Alwani oh, talks about that being the greatest year ever in MMA. From, it is. At least, at least from at least January to yeah. just from January to December, literally has never been. There is not a better time to be an MMA fan. And that it was Condit Lawler, right? It was Condit Lawler. Condit Lawler started Condit Lawler in January, and then it ended with uh, was that Amanda and Ronda? Yep, that was the end of the year. Yeah. That was the end of the year. Two hundred. Like, you had you had freaking Anderson Bisbing in February. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you had Nate Diaz versus Connor in March. Like that. Like I don't even remember what, what was the what you had. John Jones OSP in March. In April, you had Woodley and whoever like knocked out Robbie Wall. Woodley two hundred and one. You had Stipe knock out oh, for Doom yeah, in was- May. June was you had uh, one ninety nine. That was Bisbing Rockhold and the most violent main card I've ever seen. Two hundred one obviously was was Woodley, 
uh, knocking out Lawler. 202 is obviously uh, Connor and Nate. 203 and 204 getting muddled, but you had like Stipe versus Overeem in the CM Punk oh. news. And then you also had yeah, Bisbing yeah. and Dan Henderson. And then Belfort versus MSG. Uh, MSG, obviously 205. And then 206 was 206 was the Toronto one. That, that was, was a weird, weird one. one. But that was Pettis and Holloway for the interim title. But that card had Duho Choi versus Cub Swanson. And then 207 was Ronda and Amanda and Cody Garbrandt through a perfect game against Dominic Cruz. That was just a uh, banana was fight. That was, just a, was 206 Matt Brown Cerrone too? Was that maybe, on that card too? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I think it that was. was uh, that was in Toronto. That was, that was the most event, bananas year ever. It was still a good one. It was still like a good watch. That's when and they had to make up a belt. That was huge. They had to make up a yes. belt for that because they didn't have any. The interim, because, interim, interim because, title. Because 205 happens and used three champions. And then they also had Demetrius Johnson fight Tim Elliott on a tough finale. And the co-main <laughs> event was right. Henry Cejudo, Joe B that same month. So they used all of their champions in like a one-month span. And then Ronda, both Bantamweight belts were, on the, were at the end of the year. So they used like seven championship fights in one month. That was such a crazy time to be a fight fan. Jesus, 205 was, was 205 was at, or something. I was at all those freaking events too. So that was, was I. Crazy, yeah. The only one I didn't go to was the Brazil and the the 206. What was the Brazil? That was Stipe and Verdum. Oh, I was there. Yeah, I was there. Yeah, remember, yeah. That was supposed to have Anderson, Uriah Hall, and Jacques Ray beat Vitor, and yeah. uh, there was a bunch of other stuff that happened on that card. But Matt Brown lost to I think Damian Maya. Was, was Demetrius Johnson still in the UFC at that point? Yeah, that's what I said. He fought Tim Elliott. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tim Elliott won tough mm-hmm. to fight Demetrius Johnson. It was a Demetrius really good Johnson. fight. It was a crazy good fight, yeah. Yeah, because Tim Elliott won the first round. And yeah. then Joe B yep. beat Henry Cejudo in the co-main event. And then didn't get the title shot. <laughs> that was a really good fight, too. An Great underrated fight. fight. Great fight. Great fight. I can't wait oh, We could till... do this all day. Yeah, I know. I know this is actually kind of fun. I can't wait till Demetrius gets this in the UFC Hall of Fame when he officially retires, whenever. De- Demetrius it- Johnson is just now being hyper confident. Like he did a he did like a QA on his Twitch and he goes, but don't take it from so on and so take it from the greatest of all time. And he pointed at himself. And I was like, love it. Uh, real, real quick question. <laughs> this is fun. Yep. I right. love this. This is the best. Has Demetrius Johnson had the longest quote unquote prime of any high level fighter. I don't, I don't I, he he could he might still be in his prime and he's like 30. until until Glover's last fight that would have been up there. I feel Demetrius has been his in his athletic prime for like yeah. 10 years now. I think he did it right where he made 125 until he couldn't and then went up and he also doesn't spar so it just like full spar so probably but i just like i i there's obviously a ton of fighters at one championship i want to see him fight yeah i just really like god i want to see him fight like brandon moreno and i, know, Antoja yeah. and I mean i i get it's, it i mean i get it you know there's like him versus sergio there, pettis but. like him rematching kyoji horiguchi in 2023 would be awesome him versus patchy mix would be awesome i know i know rofian stas would be awesome like it's just but he's making a lot of oh, money man. to fight all yeah. these high level guys. Adrian Moraes yeah. is a good fight too. Like he he's, could, super, he's obviously. It's just it's fight. just we just we just don't have access to these guys as as much as you know Bellator and UFC fighters. So I just I just don't know as much. I can't speak as confidently about them. But I definitely know there he has very hard tough competition over there too. 
they're not easy fights for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's having fun. He's having fun. He's making money, and that's all that matters. All right, hit the music, or else we're going to talk. We're going to yeah. reflect on <laughs> the good old days uh, for another hour, which I'd yeah. be okay with. But, but we appreciate it very much. Thank you for joining us. Uh, AK and I will be back tomorrow. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast network, Lava. And on to the next one, following UFC San Antonio, discussing matchmaking options. Some of them seem very obvious, so it might be a very quick show. And then uh, no UFC next week. No UFC next week. We do a Bellator. We get Game Bread Boxing. Anthony Joshua's back. What are you talking about? We have fights on Saturday and Sunday next week. Sunday? One of them might be in a hell in a cell. Oh, WrestleMania. I will Dude, be watching. I'm, oh, I'm going. I'm going to Josh Barnett's Blood Sport on Thursday. Yeah. I'm going to Joey Janela oh. Spring Break. I'm going. I'm going to I'll be at. I'll be. I'll be, I'll be so much at pro wrestling next week. Oh my God. You're so going good. to Mania. Yeah, dog. Might even. Oh, might even. MMA fighting might even be at M- WrestleMania Media Day. You never know. Golly, why was I not told about this? I will. Uh, I will jump on coverage. Damn yeah. right. That should be fun. Well, we'll see you then, everybody. Good night. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible. Ability and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.